Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome to the program, folks. Pleasure to have your company on this Wednesday from wherever around the globe you are joining us today. It is always great to have your company. We have two winners on the tour joining us on the program today. Some interesting stories came out in the news cycle in the last 24 hours as well. One of them surrounding Greg Norman and one, another surrounding a Tiger Woods. We'll get into those in just a little while. But at 31 years old, Austin Cook has now made 124 cuts on the PGA Tour. Among them, Austin has a win uh, at the 2017 RSM Classic. A runner-up in eight top tens. His path to success, like so many, has not been direct or immediate. He's a, from Arkansas originally, having been both uh, born there and attended the University of Arkansas, where he played his collegiate golf. Subsequently, he spent time on the Adams Pro Tour and had 50-plus starts in the Corn Ferry Tour as he worked his way up to the game's highest tier. Experiences, no doubt, that have helped him this year on the PGA Tour as a member of the Player Advisory Council as well. We're always so appreciative when we get the opportunity to be joined by a winner on the PGA Tour, and we start today with just that. We say, welcome, Austin. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well, thank you. Great to have you with us. So I'm curious just about the ride in general. When you hear it encapsulated that quickly uh, and, and in some ways that generally, what's your reaction to your path in terms of how you've gotten to the top tier and now a winner on the PGA Tour? Uh, I think it was the correct path for me. Um, I know, you know, in the moment, I had a couple close calls. Um, my second year on the Corn Ferry, I almost made my or got my card um, through the regular season, um, and I missed it by I think two spots. Um, and then the next year, I almost made it in the playoffs, and Hurricane Matthew maybe canceled the last event. Um, but. I think deep down, God knew I needed another um, year of experience and learning on the Corn Ferry, and, and it ended up working out because once I earned my card the next season, I um, I won the fourth event. Is it then, Austin, the win at the RSM Classic that you draw upon if you're in tough situations, if you're in a must-do, uh, whether it be a shot or, or a putt or whatever it is, a, a tournament, a week, uh, do you draw upon that experience, or is there another well that you can go to, such as the Corn Ferry Tour or, or these these uh, opportunities to get exempt that you're referencing? I think that's definitely um, something that I draw on, just because you know I can I can think back to an experience where um, I was in the lead and um, had the lead, kept the lead, you know, from the second to third round, third round, and to the final round. Um, but it's definitely not the only experience, um, that I draw on. Um, you know, I've, there's been a lot of perseverance in, in my game in the last, you know, seven, eight years. And, um, you know, right now in the last couple of years have been, been tough. So I'm definitely pulling on, um, the win, but other experiences as in, um, you know, 
remembering when I had to make, you know, three birdies to make the cut or, um, yeah. you know, small, small wins, um, you can definitely draw on as well. For Austin Cook, how important is family to you? The most. <laughs> it's the most important thing in my life right now. Um, I have two beautiful daughters that are three and one, and um, just being able to be here for them and and experience them growing up um, and getting to experience that with my wife and just being around my wife. <laughs> I see this. Oh, those are some cool pictures. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, God's number one in my life and my family's number two and golf is after that. And um, I think, uh, you know, seeing some of the guys who um, top 20 or 30 or 40 in the world, you know, watching them at Augusta National this last week and um, a lot of them are new parents. Um, it definitely brings a different perspective to life. And you realize what's important and what's not. And um, I mean, I still love the game of golf and um, enjoy playing. And I don't see myself not playing. But, uh, you know, if something happens, if I get hurt, if whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I have my family and uh, that's the most important to me. This grounded nature that you have, Austin Cook, uh, how much of that is a reflection of your upbringing in Arkansas, and, and what, are you, what are your observations about that? Yeah, I think, um, I think it has a lot to do with my upbringing, how my parents raised me. Um, I have three siblings. Um, my dad has three siblings. My mom has one, and I've got a lot of cousins, and I think we... we um, do a lot of family activities together, you know, every Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, we have big family gatherings. Um, and I think that, um, you know, it's part of why I think family is so important. And to that point, I'm curious about, you know, obviously, as you talked about family of your own, you talked about your own background and the way, the way it has helped shape you. I'm also curious about how it helped shape you as a competitor, specifically how it helped shape you as a golfer. When did that happen? When did it come into your life? And how did golf become so important? Um, well, I actually, my dad introduced me to the game, but his dad introduced him to the game. Hmm. Um, my grandfather uh, was a club pro slash PGA Tour pro in the 60s and 70s. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of success in the playing pro sector, but um, he was a successful club pro for many, many years in Minnesota. Um, and so family is kind of the reason why I'm even in the game of golf. Um, it was just kind of something my grandfather did. He taught all of his boys, and they passed it down to their kids. That is very cool. I, did he, I'm just curious, did he ever tell you stories of when he was trying to make it on tour back in the 60s and what it was like in those days? See, unfortunately, he passed in 2008. And before I, you know, got to this part of my life, I, um, I didn't have the opportunity to ask him questions like that. But one of um, my favorite stories that my dad tells me is... Um, he actually was in the final round. He was in the final group in Memphis back, like I said, in the 60s or 70s. And my dad remembers being, you know, eight years old, trying to run between people's legs to get to the front, you know, 
to get to the ropes to watch his dad play and obviously Jack Nicholas play. And um, my dad said he was so nervous. He was, you know, in the lead, going in the final round, playing in the final group with Jack, and he just couldn't contain himself. Shot 82 and, and said, see you later. But uh, <laughs> uh, it was a great experience for him. That is awesome. It's a good story, too. I knew there had to be some classic ones from the 1960s uh, when he was trying to make it on tour. Very, very cool. And it's, I, I didn't realize you came from a, from a family with a PGA professional in it as well. That is also very neat. Do you still have moments as you're doing what you do on tour? And you're at the biggest stage of the world now for, for the game of golf where you kind of scratch your head and say, geez, I can't believe this is happening right now? Yeah, I mean... There's definitely some moments that you can go, wow, well, this is how lucky am I to get to do this for a living and um, to get to play this great sport. Uh, you know, we get to go to some spectacular courses and areas um, of this country and really all over the world. Um, and sometimes, you know, you definitely take it for granted. But if you can take a step back at times and just realize what you're really getting to do, I think it'll bring things back into perspective for you. Yeah, that's good advice. That's good advice for everybody, to tell you the truth. Austin, I'm also interested in the companies that you have aligned yourself with, the, the sponsors that you have that help you do your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, uh, I'm fortunate where I'm one of the only um, golfers from the state of Arkansas, and I've got a lot of Arkansas support. Um, starts with Mr. Tyson from um, Tyson Chicken, who's uh, or Tyson Foods, excuse me, who is... Uh, he, um, I met him in college who, um, he built the golf course, the blessings that the university of Arkansas plays at. Um, and then I've got, um, Stevens. Um, they are a investment bank out of investment company out of, um, Little Rock. Um, and I've got Centennial bank who is a, um, just a normal bank out of Conway, Arkansas. Um, Let's see here. Who else do I have? I got Mizzen and Maine as my clothes this year. And um, I think they have great, great stuff. And then I have um, Ping has been a longtime supporter of me as well. Um, I think every every company that I kind of am with right now, it's all about family. And, you know, they like to get to really know the player and, and form a relationship. Um, and it's very real. It's not, there's not really any fake relationships going on. So, I really enjoy the support of um, the state of Arkansas and all the kind of local, you know, local people. Um, and I'm definitely fortunate to have the sponsors that I do have. That's very cool. Well, your participation in the pack, why did you do that? What do you hope to gain from it? Or how do you hope to benefit the rest of your touring professionals from your enrollment there or involvement there better? Um, I didn't really choose to. <laughs> I was voted on, um, so that we have categories of, of um, players. I think there's seven categories, and, and for my category, it was uh, me and Justin Lauer were the two that were voted on. Um, but um, when they approached me that I had been um, had enough votes to do it, um, I thought it would be a good, good chance to really learn um, – the ins and the outs of the tour and um, more business side of it. And, and um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of pool, but I can bring, if I can bring um, some of the opinions and 
um, thoughts of some of the players of um, not necessarily the top guys in the world um, to the table and try and make those, you know, known uh, just for the whole of the tour and not just for the top guys. I think that would, that would be beneficial. Um, whether it's they're listened to or not is a different story, but um, just making, making, you know, the small guy known. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's a good aspiration to have while you're on the, the pack now. Austin Cook is our guest. Uh, you'd mentioned a, a little while ago that you said the last couple of years have been tough. What is, if I may, what is going on with your game right now? What's the status of it? Um, so I had three years ago after I won, um, I fell into the hole trying to gain distance thing. Um, and unfortunately for me, I think I did it the wrong way. Um, I, um, I didn't actively, it was during a, it was during the winter. So I didn't actively be out on the golf course and, and working on my swing and making sure it stayed, um, tidy. And I got some bad hitches and, and kind of moves in my swing that, um, I'm still struggling to get out. Um, but, um, I'd say 90% of it now is, is mental. Um, just not having the confidence in yourself and the confidence in um, going out and you know and 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 pulling off shots that you've been practicing now, um, and that's the main thing I'm working on right now is confidence and and um, putting. But um, you know I've been working with a new coach this year and we're we're I'm learning so much. The first six months I was with him, I learned so much information that it was like kind of information overload. Now I'm learning how to filter out bits and pieces and just um, uh, try and take just the really important stuff and only think about those. Um, but um, new coach's name, Mark McCann. Um, I'm really enjoying working with him. Um, and last week in San Antonio was the first time that I, you know, I turned to my caddy Thursday afternoon and went, wow, like that really should have been a four or five under, or it could have been very easily. Mm-hmm. and um, especially with how I hit it, I just didn't make any putts, and the same thing went for Friday, um, and unfortunately I missed the cut by one, but I'm very, very um, excited about where the, the progress that I've made. You know, from the outside looking in, it's hard to hard to see any progress, but from, you know, inside the ropes and inside my team, it's, it's um, uh, definitely seeing some progress and, and movement in the right direction. Excellent. Uh, as as you as players are, in essence, mini corporations too, you are a brand in and of itself just by the name Austin Cook. What do you want your brand, Austin Cook, to represent when people hear it? Oh, man. Um, well, first I want them to be able to see that I um, am a follower of Christ. That's important to me. And, and um and then I want people to see, you know, kind of like family orientation um, in my brand. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm wanting to, there's a thing that Scott Stallings has done in North, or in Tennessee about um, uh, kids play free. Um, and I want to make an impact for Arkansas golf and Arkansas and kids, you know, in Arkansas golf. Maybe, you know, some kids who haven't had um, the availability um, to play golf, and that's one thing that Scott's thing is about, is there's clubs provided and on certain days, um, or there's golf clubs provided, and then on certain days, um, 
kids get to come play free at certain locations. Um, and, oh. it, and it kind of gives people who, you know, don't have the access or don't have the availability to um, provide clubs for themselves or a location for themselves because it's expensive. Um, gives them an opportunity to come play. And I would love to do something like that in Northeast Arkansas and and and, um, and spread the game. Uh, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm the only PGA born and raised pro in, um, I mean, besides Daly, but he's on the Champions Tour now, um, from the state of Arkansas. And I would love to grow that and, and have more kids from Arkansas make it to the tour. Yeah, it's very cool that, that you have that kind of uh... – eye towards helping as you have in the past too with charity on top of everything else that you're doing Austin Cook we wish you the very very best with everything that you're working on glad that you're seeing some flashes and that you feel like you're close with the game we hope you are too and we also thank you very very much for the time that you've given us today great to catch up yeah thank you Matt good to see you Uh, the PJ Tour Superstar folks has certified fitters waiting to get you a free fitting with the latest and greatest golf equipment from TaylorMade and Callaway and Cobra, Ping, Titleist, and more. Plus, shop the latest gear and apparel from your favorite brands. Golf's biggest selection also on hand. Guaranteed low prices. Don't just shop this season. Shop with the pros at the PGA Tour Superstore. We are not done. As I mentioned when we came on the air this morning, we have another winner coming up. This one a multiple-time winner on multiple tours. Still ahead on the Fairways of Life show. And an interesting story involving... Uh, Greg Norman with where they're going forward. Maybe some more revelations of what's actually going on with the upstart league. Stay with us. Ben Hogan demanded perfection in every golf club that bore his name. We still do. Exceptional quality, exceptional craftsmanship, exceptional price. Order your custom-built combo iron set at BenHoganGolf.com. Ireland is home to over 400 courses, including a third of the world's natural links and a selection of exceptional championship courses in amazing locations, as well as hosting the prestigious Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup, and the Open. Experience golf like you never have before from Royal Port Rush, Royal County Down, Port Marnock, Lahinch, Valley Bunyan, or Tralee. Let yourself be embraced by the culture and history and feel the warmth of the Irish people who will make you feel as though you have not left home, but returned to it. For more information, log on to Ireland.com. Want to get ball fit like the pros? Now it's easy. Just grab your phone and a friend and have them record a video of you hitting a drive. Hello, Senior Tour. I absolutely smoked that. (laughs) Anyway, submit your video to BridgestoneGolf.com. You'll receive an email showing your stats and the best tour be for your game. So get fit and get better. Sweet. Got me on a good day. Are you ready for golf's biggest season ever? Because we are. Our certified fitters are waiting to fit you for free with the latest clubs from Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, Titleist, and more. Plus, shop the latest gear and apparel from all your favorite brands. Experience golf's biggest selection under one roof. Don't just shop this season. Shop with the pros at the PGA Tour Superstore. The Fairways of Life show is live weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern Time and 24-7 on demand as a digital radio and streaming television show. Download the Fairways of Life app and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Log in to fairwaysoflife.com for more information. 
A UNE or a C? Both have Ridgeback. These are loaded with tech. Which one are you gaming? Definitely E for me. It's just so forgiving. I'm definitely an E. C is for Cheka. What else? C is for kill it. C is me. Low spinning bombs. So, are you an E or a C? Hmm. I don't know. Hey, wait a minute. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time so you feel where you are in your golf swing. Transition, plus 4.2 inches. Length of backswing, 50.3 inches. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. Transition on plane. That's the mic drop. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show this Wednesday. Thank you to Austin Cook for joining us just a couple of minutes ago. It's always fun when we get an opportunity to get to know players even better. And he, he shed a lot of light on who he was and where he's from and kind of what makes him tick. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that too. My favorite thing is after we have someone on, and someone like that who people don't really know very well, even though he's a winner on the PGA Tour, and whether it's social media or whatever the platform, we get a message from somebody that goes, hey, I'm a fan of Austin Cook now. That was pretty cool. Uh, and again, we've got another uh, multiple-time winner coming up on the Fairways of Life show in just a few minutes from now. But first, I wanted to get to this. Dom, you told me there was an article. I believe it was... Uh, was it, was it uh, the Scotsman? Was it the newspaper in, in, uh, in Scotland? The Telegraph. The Telegraph did this one. and James Corrigan, yep. James Corrigan, whose father was a great writer over there, too. Uh, and this was all about what Greg Norman is doing. What revelations did you feel like this article uh, shed? Uh, there were a few in there. Uh, there's a lot of quotes from Greg Norman in the piece. Obviously, it talks about everyone continues to call this the Saudi Golf League, and Greg Norman is insistent on saying this is not the Saudi Golf League. It's the Super Golf League. It's a, it's a specialty sort of offshoot situation. Um, but uh, I'll read a couple quotes from the article that, that I found particularly interesting. Quote, this is Greg Norman speaking. Quite honestly, it doesn't matter who plays. We're going to put the event on, he said. There's a $4 million first prize. I hope a kid who's 350th in the world wins. It'll change his life, his family's life. And then a few of our events will go by and the top players will see someone winning. $6 million. Eight million, and they're going to say enough is enough. I know I can beat these guys week in and week out with my hands tied behind my back. That's a very interesting comment from him. I think um, it's quite easily going to be as it's and that's something in this piece, it's be, um, we've heard from a lot of players so far. This idea of if they go ahead and have the event regardless, and and I mean this, I don't mean this to be disrespectful. I mean this in balance. It's a relative term, but it's won by a nobody, someone that no one has any idea who they are, and they walk away with a life-changing sum of money that it's going to cause other players who have had some measure of success that are sitting back and struggling to any degree to go, whoa, wait a minute, I can do this. There's a lot of people that believe that's going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it is, as noted in the article, it's the richest golf tournament, you know. I mean, it's, it's a $25 million purse. I mean, right now they're saying it's going to be a 48-man field. I mean, who knows? It may end up being less than that, depending on how this unfolds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an eight-tournament series. Um, the other thing in this piece, there's, there's a lot of stuff in here, but, and it is interesting. I would uh, recommend you check it out. James Corrigan, The Telegraph. The comments that Phil made, obviously, which we don't need to go over over and over and over again, but the disruption they caused, Norman called it a gut punch. He said we were really close, um, and it was a kick in the teeth. That's a quote from him. But what is interesting about it, to me, is if you remember the one that broke that story, it was an excerpt from his book, was Alan Shipnuck. And in this article... Greg Norman was asked about the timing of the release of that article and the piece by Alan Shipnuck, et cetera, and whether he thought that Shipnuck and the tour had sort of worked together, like there was sort of a plan. Was there a plan with that? And his, this is a quote from him. That wouldn't be a coincidence, Greg Norman said. It was calculated. It's not like my 45 years in the game has left me on the outside. I have some pretty good intel that, you know, it was calculated in how it came out. And, and, again, to be fair, he got a quote in here from Shit, Shipnuck because he went and asked Shipnuck that, obviously because that claim's pretty intense. And Shipnuck says, that's crazy. The last thing I'm going to do is be a puppet for the PGA Tour. So, again, it's – for me, Matt, it's just like any other sport. You have people on two sides of the fence. Somebody's lying. Like, this isn't a gray area situation. Greg Norman says, they're, we're, they're cahoots, you know, I, I have intel, and Shipnuck says, you're crazy. One of them's lying. Somebody's lying. And so it just, it, it never ceases to amaze me that on either, whatever side it is, like, I don't understand how they can just lie through their teeth. Somebody's lying through their teeth. And so it's just interesting to me um, that that's okay. <laughs> the, the thing that I find interesting about it, Dom, is that, the way that, that Greg has approached this is that they intimate, they suggest, they hint, but then they don't say. So he's telling us that he has supposedly multiple-time major champions who are interested. He's telling us that he has players in the past, in the top 10 in the world, that have, have reached out for information that they're interested. I guess the the thing is, and then in this case to say, well, I have intel, I have sources, which is no different than what uh, a journalist would say. I have sources and my sources have told me that this was a timed release and it was in cahoots with the tour, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. To me, it, it seemed like the only thing it was timed and in cahoots with was the, the selling and release of books, which would, which would benefit Alan Shipnuck's pocketbook in terms of uh, pre-sales. But at some point, when are we going to know what's really going on? At some point, is it go- are we going to stop, you know, trying to judge clouds and, you know, these broad and big and powerful statements about who they are and what their intent is? No one's doubting the, the, the fact that they can make an impact because there's never been a threat like this to disrupt the world's top tours that's been so well-financed, so well-backed by such massive amounts of money. 
so my question is, at what point does Greg Norman and his team stop doing the dance of, well, they're doing all these terrible things over here and wait until we tell you what we have planned? When are we going to know what they actually have planned? When is it going to stop being a comparison to maybe and be a comparison of fact to fact? Well, the the article says soon. That's a quote from some of the live golf people. But again, these are quotes from Greg Norman. We have players signed, contrary to the white noise you're hearing out there. The interest level we've had, I had a player who had a couple majors sit in my office 48 hours ago. So, I mean, again, we don't know exactly what it means. He also mentions in here that he wanted to wait for the Masters to pass because he didn't want to add, you know, white noise and cause problems during a week that he thinks is for the players and for golf and et cetera, et cetera. So what, what I, to me as a golf fan, Matt, because, again, that's what it all comes down to, at least in my opinion, is what are the fans – how does it impact the fan? Watch I mean, Us in, like, the little media world, and it doesn't – we're, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. What matters is the fans. Yeah. This is going to happen, clearly. And the events are going to start happening in June. And there's players signed, apparently. The tour, and they're probably going to be either streaming or on television, and people will watch. They're totally going to watch. I think they should be having these events on Wednesday nights. Golf fans are going to watch that. What else are they going to do? you got regular tour play on, on the men's and women's side happening Thursday through Sunday throw up a team event on a Wednesday night with whoever plan. Well, they're they're going to be three day events. So they'd be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in that plan. Well, it doesn't, I mean, they could overlap a little bit. I don't know. I'm just saying from a golf fans perspective, and we've had this conversation before, right? It's a buffet. Like we can, we can argue and, and debate where money's coming from and what's fair and where's the gray area. But the reality is 80% of the fans wouldn't even know where any of the money's coming from. And, you know, why wouldn't they want to watch a match between two major champions? Of course they're going to watch that. I would watch that. Yeah, I think the—I agree with you that if the product is compelling, competitively compelling, then people are going to be drawn to it. If it is, as he's suggesting, and the onset, uh, a bunch of people that no one has any idea who they are, uh, I don't think there'll be much interest in that at all, to be fair. But I do think that the money is going to pull some people in eventually— Uh, The real question is going to be is that I think that the battle lines that are being drawn, if you will, behind the scenes are as follows. What reaction will the PGA Tour have? Originally, we heard that if you do this, you're going to be banned from the tour for life. And now we're hearing intimation that the tour may not be taking that tack. They haven't uh, specifically uh, Jay Monahan, for example, when he addressed Uh, The players recently didn't use that exact language, according to multiple eyewitnesses that were in the room. So what will the tour's reaction be to players who choose to participate in this rival league? What will happen from the standpoint of the moral decisions uh, in, in terms of how that plays itself out? We already know that from a media perspective, this, the lines are very, very well drawn where every player that chooses to participate in this league will be declared as morally bankrupt by multiple media sources. In uh, what impact will that have from players that choose or don't choose to be a part of it? Consequently to that, what impact will that tour 
have in terms of a message that counteracts that to say, wait a minute, uh, you can't have it one way and not another because it's, it'd be hypocritical to not point out those same types of moral violations in terms of human rights where events are held on the other tours. For example, until recently, there was an event held in Russia on the DP World Tour. So, you know, questions like that are going are to very much come into the mix. What I'm getting at with all of that is ultimately, even from a fan's perspective, and I agree with your assessment, Dom, that ultimately we as fans are going to be drawn or not be drawn to their product based on the quality of the product itself. But that quality of that product is going to be driven by participation and who decides to participate. And that comes down to the question of why. When we come back on the Fairways of Life show, we're going to be joined by another multiple time winner on multiple tours. Stay with us. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boynegolf.com. Today, there are smarter phones, smarter cars, smarter everything. So Bridgestone Golf's engineers thought, why not a smarter golf ball? Introducing the new Tour B with a smart reactive IQ cover that delivers more power off your driver and more control off your wedges. Try Bridgestone's new Tour B with reactive IQ cover. The smarter Tour Ball. The Fairways of Life show is live weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern Time and 24-7 on demand as a digital radio and streaming television show. Download the Fairways of Life app and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Log in to fairwaysoflife.com for more information. Ben Hogan demanded perfection in every golf club that bore his name. We still do. Exceptional quality. Exceptional craftsmanship. Exceptional price. Order your custom-built Equalizer 2 wedges at benhogangolf.com. Are you ready for golf's biggest season ever? Because we are. Our certified fitters are waiting to fit you for free with the latest clubs from Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, Titleist, and more. Plus, shop the latest gear and apparel from all your favorite brands. Experience golf's biggest selection under one roof. Don't just shop this season. Shop with the pros at the PGA Tour Superstore. Created without the constraints of time or money, PXG Golf Clubs are the most technologically advanced available today. And they are a perfect union of art, science, and engineering. And the PXG experience is unlike any you've had before. After you've been custom fit, your clubs will be built to exacting standards and your exact specs in the USA. So when you hear it, you know, PXG, nobody builds golf clubs the way we do, period. 
Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. DeWiz is golf's latest wearable tech. It tracks your swing in real time with a level of precision that is unheard of. It's based on neuroscience, and it measures your movements in real time and space, giving you the feedback you need to make immediate adjustments to your swing. Log on to DeWizGolf.com to learn more. Super psyched about our, our next guest, I guess for a lot of different reasons. One is because I really like him. I think he's a good dude. And secondly, because uh, I want to know how he's feeling. I want to know how things are going, how, how he has healed uh, along the way. PGA Tour uh, it, Champions definitely is a very special place, as we all know, a place where many find themselves reborn. It's like a fresh start. Scott McCarron had a very successful run on the PGA Tour from 1995 until 2011. He started 444 events. He collected three PGA Tour wins, six runner-ups, 39 top tens. He broke into the top 20 in the world during that stretch as well. Sounds impressive, I know, but then he turned 50 and something clicked to an even higher level. At 56, he finds himself 141 starts in PGA Tour champion's career. And what does he have to show for it? Only 11 wins, thank you very much, including a senior major, the senior players in 2017. Nine runner-up finishes, an incredible 57 top tens. Get this. That is 40% of the time that he tees it up. It is a top 10 finish. Seemingly every week, it feels like he's on the first page of the leaderboard and contending out there. Nice of him to take the time to join us. Very much looking forward to catching up. Scott, how are you? Doing great, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm really curious. How are you feeling? How did the surgery go? How, how's the healing going? How, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling pretty good. I had surgery August 6th on my ankle. I tore two tendons in the left ankle, tried to play on it for about a year, and uh, it was very difficult. So had the surgery. They had to break the foot, lower the arch, fix the tendons, and I'm starting to feel pretty good. You know, anytime you have surgery, it's probably a year process to get back to feeling 100%. So I'm at about seven and a half months in, and I'm able to walk. Uh, the last tournament in Biloxi, I walked all three days and um, started to hit the ball a little bit better. I'm sort of able to kind of post onto my left side a little bit better than I was before. And so I'm excited uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, Scott, you have to remind me, how was it that you ended up uh, hurting the ankle to begin with? Well, it was unfortunately just wear and tear over the years. Uh, okay. I played a lot of sports growing up, sprained my ankle quite a bit. I have very high arches, so uh, sprained my ankle playing baseball, basketball, football. And so it was just more of a, a wear and tear. You know, when you're playing golf as a right-handed golfer, you're rolling over on that left ankle every t- single day, you know, 500 times a day. And eventually it just finally uh, finally tore. And I tore uh, two of the tendons in there. But the, the hardest part of the surgery is we had to break the foot to lower the arch to take pressure off the tendon. So after they fixed them, they wouldn't uh, have so much pressure on them. And that, you know, I should be able to play for another 10, 12 years. No problem. If they just fixed the tendons, uh, and not the foot itself, you know, there's no telling how long that those tendons would actually uh, stay attached. It, maybe it's too soon to ask you this question, but do you feel like you have to alter either your foot position or your swing in general in order to uh, additionally not cause any stress in that area? 
Well, I, I certainly did before the surgery. I mean, I was trying all kinds of stuff uh, uh, before the surgery for when I was playing with it for a year, you know, sticking my left foot pointed at the target so I wouldn't roll over it. I was hopping off that left leg. But now that uh, I'm seven months in, I'm, I feel like I'm really able to go at it just about as hard as I can. I don't have to really alter anything. Um, you know, sometimes on a, a side hill, downhill type lie where I might be putting a little bit of pressure on there, uh, I might think about it. But it's more just about walking and getting the endurance back on the foot. Uh, like last week uh, at the rapid scan, the first day I walked, and after about 11 holes, it started hurting pretty good. Um, the second day, I got to about 16 holes and when it started hurting. And then the last day, I was able to play all 18. It really didn't bother me too much. So it's a matter of just walking on it and, and getting it stronger so I'm able to walk and, and not think about it while I'm swinging. Are you wearing a brace or a sleeve or anything to try to help support the area currently? I am. I'm wearing a, a little neoprene brace. Um, and I've got a little stiffer one in there. But again, you know, when you start wearing those braces, you start walking funny. So yeah. then your back starts hurting and all kinds of other problems. But the main part is just being able to walk normal. And uh, so I'm not hurting anything else in my, in my body. But I'm getting there. I, and I'm, good. I'm just curious. When you look down at your bare foot now, how different does it look to you? I assume the arch is physically lower than what it was. It, it looks a little more lower. It looks a little more stable. Um, my feet, when you look down before, always look like they're going to roll on the outside. Um, and now at least the left foot kind of feels like it's sitting a little bit flatter. Um, but if you look at it, you can notice a little bit difference. But uh, I actually tore the tendons in the right ankle four years ago. Oh. Um, same time. Thing. And um, but the right ankle did not bother me swinging a golf club because you're not loading onto the outside of the right ankle. You're loading onto the inside, so it didn't bother me swinging. Just was painful to walk. And after about a year and a half, uh, all the pain kind of went away. And I don't know if it really healed itself or not. But one of the doctors that uh, I had said, you know, let's not let's not do surgery in that right ankle and see if it kind of goes away on, on itself. And it did. The problem with the left ankle is you're posting and rolling on it every single swing. So it never get a chance to heal. The thing that's amazing to me about both of these stories, whether we talk about what you did in the right ankle that, that kind of healed itself in a sense, or the, the dramatic uh, things you had to do to the left in order to, to get yourself ready for the future, was that you were playing golf through this pain, through these injuries before you took action, and you were playing extremely well through it all. So I'm just curious. I have a suspicion that that while that is incredible, but it's, I have a suspicion it's not that unique either. And I don't just mean it because it's a champion's tour. I just mean as an athlete, I suspect that almost everybody has something that they're dealing with. Well, I think so. You know, over my career of 27 years playing professional golf, you know, you're playing a lot with certain injuries, whether it's wrist, elbow, shoulder, neck, back. Um, you know, when I look back at my whole career and I think about playing in golf tournaments, I don't know how many golf tournaments I played completely pain-free without anything, especially now when I'm 56, uh, you know, everything seems to hurt when you're, especially when you wake up in the morning. That's what's nice about the Champions Tour. Normally our tee times are around 10 to 12 o'clock. So we're able to limber up and, and get ready for the round because uh, teeing off of that 645 on the PGA Tour uh, <laughs> is, is a little tough now at 56 years old. You know, you mentioned that you're 56 years old a couple of times so far. And, and what's interesting to me about that, Scott, is that 56 on average, ten, tended to be the age where players that had met with success on the PGA Tour champions really dramatically started to settle down. It was about a five-year run that you had as one of the young guys to go out there and make hay. In your case, 
you physically changed your body. And I'm not just talking about what you did with the operation, et cetera, but you physically got stronger on top of everything else. So I'm curious of, from your perspective, and I'm not really talking about philosophy here. I'm talking about how you're hitting the golf ball and where you see it go and the distances that you're hitting. How do you feel like your game is set up for the next five years? Well, I think as long as I stay in, in good shape, which I work at it all the time. Uh, I work out with a guy named Dan Jansen. You probably remember that name, Olympic yeah. Gorilla Speed Skater. It seems like every day's leg day with Dan. You know, his thighs are like this big. <laughs> um, so that's keeping me in pretty good shape. So as long as I stay in good shape, I feel like I can play competitive till, you know, 63, 64. And certainly everyone looks up to Bernard Longer and what he's done sure. at 64 years of age, uh, still winning a Schwab Cup last year. There's no reason why I can't play for another, you know, eight to 10 years and be competitive. But having said that, the guys that are coming out, uh, you know, these rookies, like a Stephen Auker, who's just played phenomenal golf over the last, you know, eight months. Uh, we got Brian Gay coming out, who's still competitive on the PGA Tour. You've got to stay in shape to be able to compete. And I feel like if you're one of the longer hitters on our tour, you can have a longer career because you do get a little bit shorter as time goes on. And the young guys coming up are hitting it farther and farther. But if you're a longer hitter, I think you can still compete, you know, into your mid-60s out here in the PGA Tour Champions. It's it's cool. I'm curious with having Dan as your trainer, Dan Jansen, a gold medalist. I would think you would have to have conversations at some point, even if, he, even if he's making you work in the legs every day and you're crawling out of there. But I would think at some point you also benefit from him imparting some kind of uh, competitive philosophies to you along the way. Just it, it happens with with people like yourselves that have accomplished great things. It's just in regular conversation. Is there anything that you take away from that with him? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm asking Dan questions all the time. How is he preparing for uh, certain skating events? Um, what did he feel like at the Olympics? You know, at the, during the disappointments that he had over the years until finally getting that gold medal on Lillehammer. So we talk all the time, I and mean, we're good friends. We play a lot of golf. We drink a little bit of bourbon every now and then, and nice. we have some great conversations um, about mental attitude and being competitive. I mean, and that guy it went through more than just about any athlete, certainly in my time, um, and then to be able to come out ahead and, and win that gold medal finally. So we talk constantly, um, sports psychology stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, the guy is just, a, he's an amazing guy. He's a positive guy. He is a glass always full type guy. And, uh, and a great, you know, great athlete, one of the best athletes uh, that's ever lived. Yeah, I mean, you just, I think you just touched on the next question I'm going to ask you, uh, and that is about philosophy of being great or philosophy of winning, if you please, however you want to define it. Because I think when we get a chance to speak with people like you, Scott, somewhere, whether it's someone listening to us somewhere on the radio side or someone watching us on the television side can benefit from that knowledge what message, whether from yourself or whether gathered from people that you've bumped into, like Dan Jansen, along the way, would you have for those people in terms of pursuing one's goals? You know, absolutely. And I, I think one of the things that Dan um, has spoken a lot about is you have to find a balance. And you have to find a balance between that gratitude, um, feeling grateful that you get to play the sport you love for a living, um, that you have a a nice life and that you have friends in your life, having that type of grateful feeling. And then you find the balance in between that and knowing that you'll, you are a phenomenal athlete 
and you're a great athlete and the people are there to watch you. Um, you can't be all in one camp of I'm the greatest that ever lived and then all in one camp of, oh, I just feel grateful. You have to find that balance in between. Um, and I think once you find that balance, you can find out how good you can really be. I learned a lot from Dan. I've learned a lot from guys like Hale Irwin and Tom Watson. And um, Hale Irwin told me, you know, find out what type of player you are and be that player. And when I was on the PGA Tour, I always thought that I had to play my absolute best win on the PGA Tour, you know, especially playing in the Tiger Woods era. I mean, between Tiger and Phil Mickelson, they won half the tournament that I think I played in. So I always felt like I had to play my absolute best. And I really didn't. The tournaments that I did win, the three that I did win, I look back and, you know, I just played pretty solid golf, had a couple of good breaks, um, but didn't make any big mistakes. And uh, when I got to the Champions Tour, I was putting myself in position, but not winning. And so I took Halo and went out to dinner and uh, we started talking. And when he said that, find out what type of player you are and be that player. You know, he said, basically, the last day, hit it in the fairway, hit it on the green and, uh, you know, make a putt or two, but let the other guys make some mistakes. Don't try to be that guy that has to hit every heroic shot. Just play your normal game. And once I started doing that, when I started winning out in the PGA Tour Champions, um, every time I got in position, didn't really bother me too much. Uh, just kind of kept plugging along, and then lo and behold, you'd have a chance to, to, to win coming down the stretch, and um, certainly won my, my fair share over the last four or five years. Yeah, you have won your fair share indeed, and I have a feeling there's more in the future given everything that you're doing to prepare and the very dramatic thing that you did with your left ankle and foot of the same. Uh, Tour Edge is one of the sponsors of our show, Scott, and they were involved in, in connecting us once again here today, which we always love catching up with you. But I'm curious about your association with the Tour Edge company and how impressed you are with their continued advancement in terms of their equipment to the marketplace. Well, I'll tell you what. Well, you've got a great guy at the head. David Glaude is phenomenal. Um, John Craig. These guys listen to us when we kind of give them ideas of um, what a club should look like, how it should feel, how it should sound. And uh, they've come out with a phenomenal product with the new 722 series. I mean, the driver, the three-wood, the hybrids are all phenomenal. Um, You know, and I'm basically supposed to play one club, but I'm playing three of their clubs right now because they're that good. And when I first started with them with the hybrid, um, I would play it no matter what. I and mean, this is one of the best hybrids I ever hit. And they just keep getting better and better with their with the clubs that they're making. Um, they've got some new irons that are coming out that I'm very excited to look at. And uh, they're just great guys. And they're supporting the PGA Tour champions. I think it's a phenomenal uh, marketing on their part to come out to the PGA Tour champions, getting the clubs in a lot of these guys' hands and getting a lot of advertisement because of it. Um, it's harder on the PGA Tour to break in um, with these young kids. Um, they require a lot of money uh, to play their clubs. We're, we're not quite um, as high as that. And so Tour Edge has been able to make a phenomenal inroads in the golf business uh, with the PGA Tour Champions. And we can't thank them enough for supporting us. Yeah, it's really smart on their part because if you look at the average demographic in the game of golf, it's still right upwards to just under 50 years old. Uh, and with Tour Edge, you know, as they like to say, pound for pound, nobody comes close. And it's true because they, they're providing all of us with cutting edge technology that you can get custom fit for at a price that right. is very competitive in the marketplace. Uh, Scott, I'm also curious about who your other sponsors are that help you do your thing. Well, certainly uh, Titleist Foot Joy has been my ball shoe glove for a long time. Um, Mobix Labs, which is a faster 5G company. Uh, out of California, some great friends of mine uh, are starting this company. 
And then Hotline Construction, uh, Troy Myers, one of my best friends, uh, they're putting up all the power poles for all the PG&E and SMOT all over California. And, uh, and I've got, you know, KT Tape, because uh, KT Tape, I'm able to play uh, golf every day. I wrap my ankle with that KT Tape, and they keep that coming in. Dog leg belts, uh, keeps me looking good, sharp with belts, and Greg Norman Apparel. Um, has always been phenomenal for me. So we've got some great sponsors. We've got a couple other ones that uh, are coming online here soon. A CBD company, Hamarki. Uh, looks nice. like we're going to be doing a deal, and I'm very excited about. So uh, the more sponsors, the better, and I really appreciate uh, everything that they do to keep me competitive and keep me playing. Yeah, very cool. It is very cool, too, Scott, the way that you kind of segment them into different aspects of actually using the product and believing in and those that you've associated yourself with in friendship or otherwise. So that's very neat. Hey, we wish you the very best, my friend. I'm glad that you're feeling better. I'm glad that you're out there again and starting to play a little bit. And we hope that you get back to the same heights of glory and beyond that you were before. Because we wish you all the best and all the luck in the world. Thanks, Matt. I noticed you have a bunch of bobbleheads on your desk. Um, send me your address. I'll send you one of my bobbleheads that I got from Des Moines. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> we'll have uh, the Scotty McCarran. We'll go right here next to the carry man. Thank you very much, Perfect. man. It's good Thanks, seeing you. Matt. We'll talk to Bye. You. That was Scott McCarran joining us. It was great to catch up with him. Know that he's feeling better. I had no idea the depth and complexity of the operation that he did because of the tendons in his left ankle, but the breaking of the bones in the left foot, and the lowering of the arch and all that he went through. Very cool. And, and I love the way that players are willing to share stuff with us. Uh, in, in, in his case, uh, he has had a very, very distinctive career, both on the PGA Tour and on the PGA Tour Champions. I hope you guys have a distinctive day. I hope you have a, a great fun on this Wednesday. Before we let you go today, just allow me to, to let you know what's happening with the air times for the golf this week. Let's start with the RBC Heritage Television Times. Uh, tomorrow and Friday, the coverage, we have it for you in Golf Channel at 3 p.m. Eastern time each of those two days. Saturday and Sunday, it's split between Golf Channel and CBS. 1 p.m. on Golf Channel, 3 p.m. on CBS, both on Saturday and on Sunday. PGA Tour Live, which is on ESPN+. Plus. The coverage will start Thursday and Friday at, ready for it, 7 a.m. Now, that, that won't necessarily be all of their four feeds starting at 7 a.m., but that's when their coverage starts is at 7 a.m. So if you have ESPN Plus or if you want to subscribe to it, that's when you're going to start to see that happening. And Saturday and Sunday, 8.30 a.m. is the start time of that. The radio coverage for the PGA Tour is on PGA Tour Radio. PGA Tour Radio is heard from multiple formats and fronts. You can hear it on the PGA Tour app. You can hear it on PGATour.com. Both of those are for free. They work everywhere, anywhere around the world. Or if you subscribe to the National Satellite Service Sirius XM, Thursday and Friday at noontime. A Saturday, it will start at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. The Lotte Championship on the LPGA Tour coverage on Golf Channel on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday will be at 7 p.m. Eastern Time each of those nights. Have a great one, folks. Thanks so much, and bye for now.